Now we're going to turn to uh, Romans chapter 12, and uh, Trevor is going to read to us. Uh, We'll be thinking very specifically about uh, verses 15 and 16 today, but in order to set the context, Trevor's going to read to us from verse 9. So our reading is taken from Romans 12. You find that in the Pew Bibles on one, one, page 1139. Relatively short reading this morning, verses 9 through to 16. Love and action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Amen. We trust the Lord will add his blessing to his word. Please feel free to have Romans 12 uh, open, uh, because we'll be looking specifically at verses 15 to 16. Sometimes, just sometimes, we forget how fortunate we are Have you ever been away on holiday or at work and you come in through the front door and say, oh, how lovely it is to be back home. Having been away, you realize just how much you've missed home. And sometimes, just sometimes, we forget how fortunate we are to have one another here in church until perhaps we've been away for a while or wandered in our faith or experienced an illness or bereavement And we come back in through the door and say, it's good to be back home. Having been away, you realize just how much you've missed home. And our opening hymn this morning was, as Sam said, a version of Psalm 84, where the psalmist says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord, my heart and a flesh cry out for the living God. It's great to be back home. And in these verses, which we've been looking at in Romans 12 uh, these last weeks, we're reminded of some of the wonderful, attractive features of congregational home life that sets church apart from anywhere else. And here, when Paul is writing to the Romans, he's not saying, you've arrived He wasn't writing to these believers saying, you're brilliant. But what he is saying is, there are some elements of God's grace that are evident among you that are good and can become even better. Love, verse 9, must be sincere. In church life, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Well, that's different from what's in the press, isn't it? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. 
Um, it's wonderful how certain scriptures just leap out at you from the time to time. And, and that, incidentally, is a verse that I clearly remember PCI missionary Dr. James Barton speaking about at a CU meeting in Queens in 1980. James was home from furlough in India, and he not only said, never be lacking in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord, but that's how he was. And, and I just thought it was so attractive as a young Christian man. I remember asking God, might he enable me to be like that? And then be joyful in hope, writes Paul to the church in Rome. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Isn't this just such a beautiful alternative to what is available elsewhere? Now, we're not there yet, Paul says, but sometimes we forget. Sometimes we just cannot see how truly blessed we are because we've got used to it. And so we come to today's two verses, verses 15 and 16, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. Will we just pray together? Heavenly Father, what would a church shaped by grace look like? What would we as members of the Church of Christ Jesus, sanctified by the Spirit, appear as? Will you please create within our hearts a desire for Christ's likeness and fashion within us collectively the ability to live grace-filled lives for the glory of our Savior. Amen. There are three simple words that leap out of these two verses, uh, and hopefully they can serve as helpful aids to memoir for us today. They, they are these, empathy, harmony, and humility. So the first word is empathy. Uh, this week, I read a story in Rob Parsons' latest book, in which a young woman shared how after her dad had died when she was nine years old, part of her had died with him. She remembered how he used to tuck in the blankets around her, straighten the top sheet, and sit at the end of her bed and say, Darling, you're beautiful. And what about your mum? asked Rob. Well, she said, my father saw the good in me whereas my mother only wanted to change me. If I came in the top ten at school, she'd tell me if I worked harder, I could be in the top five. She told me my skin was poor because I didn't get enough fresh air. She said my hair was thin because I didn't eat enough fish. Once, when I was 16, I saved three months for a dress to wear at the school formal. And when I came downstairs in it, she told me it made me look cheap. I went back into my room, sat on the bed, and cut it into little strips. Is she still alive? No, she died five years ago. Her last words to me were, 
your glasses are on crooked. Empathy. To rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn isn't easy. But it is Christian, something that Christian people are to develop, and we can ask God by his Holy Spirit to grow it within us. Empathy is standing in somebody else's shoes. It is becoming less preoccupied with self and more occupied with what someone else is experiencing. It's what chapter 12, verse 2 calls being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Some of you follow the antiques program Bargain Hunt, and one of the presenters, Charles Hansen, recently told in the press how heartbroken he was when at a very late stage in her pregnancy his wife miscarried and they lost a beautiful baby boy. As they were leaving the maternity hospital empty-handed, they met a bright-faced and delighted dad laden down with baby chair and flowers and blue balloons. And how hard, he said, it was to smile and say congratulations. It's not easy to rejoice with those who rejoice, but it is godly. And sometimes it's hard to mourn with those who mourn. Some people feel so uncomfortable with illness or death that they cross the road rather than speak to a person who's been bereaved. And again, that's not the way of the Lord Jesus, who when he saw sickness did not avoid it. And when he encountered death, was not afraid to weep with those who wept. Empathy. That's the first word that we're given today. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It's not exactly the same as sympathy, is it? Uh, In sympathy, I always think that people feel they have to talk In empathy, it's all right not to talk. One parent who had lost a child wrote this, I was sitting torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of life beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things that were true. I was unmoved except to wish he'd go away. He finally did. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He just listened when I said something. He answered briefly. He didn't ask me leading questions. He just sat beside me. He prayed simply and left. I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That's empathy. And then secondly, verse 16, harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Harmony, by the way, is not uniformity. To sing in harmony is not the same as to sing in unison. Harmony is when people who know their various parts sing together the same song. 
And this is, of course, not the first time the apostle has said to people in church about the necessity about being of the same mind towards each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for example, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with each other so that we may have no divisions among us, that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Or Philippians 1 verse 27, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. And what's the way that is appropriate for people transformed by the good news of Jesus? Stand firm in one spirit, he says. Contend as one person for the faith of the gospel. Harmony is not when everybody else is exactly the same, from the same socio-economic, ethnic, or racial background. That would be boring. Harmony is not when everybody is from the same denominational, political, or age profile. That would be a club. But that's what makes church different from any other organization. Church is not a collection of clones. It is a diverse group of sinners saved by grace, who God has brought together in order to glorify his name. There is, by way of contrast, nothing better than being a diverse group of people who have shared common experience. And the thing that unites these Christians in the church at Rome is the fact that you find in Romans 3, verse 23, that they're all sinners who've been saved by grace. Here is a group of survivors, and that unites them. Not their education, not their political persuasion, not their passports, a common allegiance to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, their common allegiance to the one who has rescued them and brought them into his family. Now, can I tell you this? When people have a correct view of themselves as wretched sinners saved by grace and a correct view of God as our loving Father, as the one who has withheld nothing but given us all things on the cross for our salvation, then there is a bond that is created that is unbreakable. There is a harmony that is beautiful. One day last year, Claire and Ruth and I were at Heathrow Airport waiting to get the plane back to Belfast, and, and there was Garth Malone. And uh, just as Garth Malone managed to get and manages to get rough diamonds and people with no little uh, previous experience of singing or people from low self-esteem to sing together with a common score, so under the baton of Jesus Christ, the church can astonish, can astound, can delight the world through its harmony. Empathy, harmony, and finally, verse 16, humility. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. For sinners saved by grace, there can be absolutely no room for pride or snobbery. None. 
For snobbery is the very antithesis of grace. Just this week, a a fellow minister told me how it was only sometime after being called to a congregation that she learned that two of her congregation were in prison. Immediately she went to see them and apologized it had taken her so long to visit, but asked why on earth their families hadn't said earlier. Oh, they didn't think you'd be interested in the likes of us, they replied. Well, it's precisely people such as these that God's people are interested in. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. One day a visitor came into Bloomfield and I know that this is the case because I saw it happen. And this person looked around to see where they could sit. They saw a spare seat and asked the person in the pew if that seat was reserved. And they replied, yes, it's reserved for you. And I don't mind telling you that my heart swelled with delight as I thought that's the kind of congregation I want to be part of. Snobbery is a terrible thing. And pride is the thing that led to the exclusion of Adam and Eve from paradise in Genesis 3. They wanted to be like God. It's the thing that Paul in Romans chapter 1 highlights as the single most heinous factor that leads to foolishness and wickedness, evil, greed, and all kinds of depravity. In other words, pride is the mark of Satan. It's the total opposite of Christ's likeness and of the Lord Jesus, who, although God humbled himself, became nothing, Philippians chapter 2, took on the very nature of a servant, a doulos, a slave, and being found in human likeness, went all the way to the cross. The other day I was thinking about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And something occurred to me that I'd never really thought about before. When when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it wasn't something peculiar It wasn't something uh, that happened with a great big show or razzmatazzy fanfare. He just got up and did it. It wasn't with a song and a dance, as we might put it. It was just what came naturally to him. That's simply what he did, because that's what he was like. And dare I say it, that's what makes somewhere like Bloomfield work to feel at home. Am I permitted to say that? Not because we're any way special, we're not. But because under the Lordship of Christ we're being fashioned and made after the likeness of our servant King. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Empathy. Harmony. Humility.
Our gracious Lord, we, we thank you that you never demand of us what you do not also enable us to do. And so as we are instructed by your word, please transform us more and more by the renewing of our minds so that instead of conforming to the pattern of this world, we may be able to test and approve what is your holy will good and pleasing and perfect. And what we ask is for Jesus' glory. Amen. In our prayers today, we want to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We want to live in harmony with one another and not be proud. Let's pray. Father God, forgive us when we read the newspaper or watch the news and are tempted to feel superior. Proud that we're not like the people in the news. Conceited that their situation could never be ours. Grant us, please, a right sense of ourselves and a proper appreciation that except for the grace of God, there go I. Have mercy on us, Lord, when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And grant us, please, a right sense of responsibility for others' good and well-being. We bring before you people who are headlined in the news. That high-profile rape case. And pray, dear God, for the accused and for their families. For the plaintiff and for her family. We pray for the judge and jury. And for the reporters who have to sit through and listen to all the details of the case. Dear God, in this particular context, it is our prayer that over and above justice and truth, good may yet come in the lives of every single person concerned and prevent us, O Lord, from sinful or conceited attitudes. We bring before you the poor benighted people of Syria, still suffering terribly. Beautiful children, traumatized, terrorized, torn apart by the actions of governments and factions. Heavenly Father, as we weep with those who weep, so we also bring before you members associated with our congregation who even this past week have experienced the trauma of sadness and loss and bereavement. And pray that they, even through us, may know the balm and blessing of a church community conformed to the image of Christ. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the privilege as a congregation to be able to contribute to the wider work of the church through the United Appeal. We bless you for Linda Ray and Rick Hill, who recently shared with us the amazing work being done among young and old, fragile and vulnerable, prisoners and people with alcohol and drug dependency. And ask that, strengthened by your Holy Spirit, everyone in these frontline ministries would know the prayers and support of your people. And finally, gracious Lord, we pray that we will increasingly learn how best to rejoice with those who rejoice, to enter into the delight of a daddy or the joys of a recently engaged girl, to be glad for the young person spreading their wings and the older person taking the opportunity to visit family or friends. Save us from focusing on the negative. Enable us to see the good, the beautiful, the bountiful, and be thankful. And enable us, our gracious Lord, to be a people of empathy and harmony and humility. For the glory of Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And so may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide this day and forevermore. Amen.